Proverbs, one verse of Scripture. Verse number one, the wise man wrote, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. And every wise woman buildeth her house. I want to use that this morning as a launching pad to speak to you about the light of a mother's life. The light of a mother's life. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you and smile as you go down. Act like you're happy to be with the people that you're with right now. Amen. Clap your hands again if you would to the Lord. Praise God. A group of second graders were asked some very pertinent questions to life. Most importantly, they were asked why God made moms. When they were asked why did God make mothers, one responded, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Another said, mostly to clean house. And a third said, to help us out of there when we get born. (laughs) How did God make mothers, they were asked. One little boy said he used dirt just like the rest of us. One said magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. One girl said God made my mom just the same like he made me just used bigger parts. What ingredients are mothers made of? God made mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. I think that kid has an insight. They had to get their start from men's bones, one said. Then they mostly use string, I think. Why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? One girl said, God knew she likes me a lot more than she likes other people's moms or other people, other moms like me. One was asked, what kind of a little girl was your mom? To which one said, I don't know because I wasn't there, but I guess she would have been pretty bossy. Another said, they used to say she was nice. (laughs) They used to say. What did mom need to know about dad before they married? One said his last name. Another said, well, she had to know his background, like if he was a crook or something. Or did he get drunk on beer? Another said, does he make at least $800 a year? And did he say no to drugs and yes to chores? They were asked, why did your mom marry your dad? Well, my dad makes the best spaghetti in the world, and my mom likes to eat a lot. (laughs) My grandma once said that mom didn't have her thinking cap on when she married my dad. Who's the boss in your house? Mom doesn't want to be the boss, but she has to be because dad's just a goofball. (laughs) I guess mom is, but only because she has a lot more to do than dad. What's the difference between moms and dads, they were asked. And this is the best response that I've heard from any of them. And this was literally from second grader. This is not made up. One kid said, moms work at work and work at home 
and dad just works at work. He said, mom knows how to talk to teachers without scaring them. Mom has magic. They make you feel better even without medicine. What does your mom do in her spare time? Mother doesn't have any spare time. Any mothers can say amen to that? Some of you don't. Some of you must have a lot of extra time. They were asked, what would it take to make your mom perfect? One kid said, on the inside, she's already perfect. But outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery would do. <laughs> One said, diet. You know, her hair. I'd dye it blue or green or something. If you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? She has this weird thing about me keeping my room clean. I'd get rid of that. I'd make my mom smarter. Then she would know it was my sister and not me who did that. I would like her to get rid of those invisible eyes that's on the back of her head. I'm so thankful that we have mothers and we can laugh and life needs some laughter at times, especially as difficult as it is. But we do want to honor all of our mothers and all of our ladies today. It, uh, it's always a difficult thing to have Father's Day and Mother's Day services and specifically focus on those two things because there are extenuating circumstances in any congregation where uh, it was not possible or people chose not to or whatever or they had a bad family and they don't like to think about that. But uh, I, I'm here to promote the good of motherhood. Amen. And I'm here to speak about the good of motherhood. We could, I'm sure, all find bad examples and we could all talk about negative influences. But I want to talk about the good that is in the potential and capacity of a woman who is called to motherhood. Who can measure the value and the power of a mother's influence? Whether it be good or bad, we cannot find nor has there been made an instrument that can measure the value or the power of a mother's influence. The wise men said it as good as anybody could say it. A wise woman buildeth her house, and a foolish one tears it down with her hands. When he speaks of a wise woman, he used a word in the Hebrew that is uh, multidimensional. It, it has many different meanings to it. When you speak about a wise person, the word that is referenced there means that they are someone who is skillful in war. They know what to fight for and they know who their enemy is. And they know how to defend their family against that enemy. But it also speaks of a wisdom or a knowledge of administration that they know how to lead their family. 
It's not only wisdom of administration, but it refers to a shrewdness in business. They can stretch the dollar. They can make it go a little further than it ought to go. And they know what to buy and what not to buy. And a wise woman that builds her house is not frivolous with the blessings that God has brought to that family. She is also prudent in spiritual matters. She understands that life is more than just eating and sleeping, but there is an eternal aspect to living that must be considered. And so she is very careful about spiritual things. I'm talking about a wise woman, a woman who has a grasp of life and all of its intricacies and all of the different nuances of life. She understands the need for a spiritual connection. And last but not least, she is a person of great ethics. The word that is used here of wisdom or a wise woman speaks of someone who is ethical in her dealings. And the scripture says that she builds Again, he used a word that was multidimensional. It was not just a single aspect. But the word in the Hebrew that is used to describe this process, first of all, literally means to build. To build from nothing. To start without anything. But she brings together the needed things to put into that home. But if perchance something happened... And that home that she was building is broken down. The word goes even further. It means that she has the capacity to rebuild. She has the ability to go out and gather those things that have blown away and put them back together. She is a builder. She is a woman who is not content with just saying, I tried and that's the best that I can do when tragedy or trouble or problems come into her life. She knows how to go back and gather up all of the broken pieces and put them back together because she understands the powerful influence that she plays in the lives of her family and her husband. And so she rebuilds. But it doesn't stop there. It means that she is a builder and she is also a rebuilder. But she is one who establishes. She builds and rebuilds with the thing in mind that I want something left here when I die that will carry on. I don't want my legacy to die when I die. I don't want my memory to fade. But I want to leave something behind in this world that people will want to gather to in days to come. They will still want to come to this home. They will still want to talk about this family. They will still want to be connected as a family. And so she establishes so that that home can continue. I'm talking about a wise woman who builds. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, a wise woman builds. She brings together the needed ingredients 
And if it's blown apart by a storm, she begins to rebuild because she wants to establish something that will outlive her. She wants to put something down in her family and down in her children and invest something in her husband that will carry on to other generations. I am thankful this morning that I am a product of that kind of mother. And many of you who could stand with me and say, that sounds like my mother. But perchance you are here today and you could not say that about your mother. Your mother didn't do those things. Then I have come with good news. You have the opportunity this morning to rise up in this place and say, you know what? I'm going to reverse a curse in my family. And I am going to begin building and working and rebuilding on something that will be worth remembering. Amen. And everybody said amen. I realized this morning that there are tremendous pressures on women and our mothers today. Perhaps greater than at any other time. And I, I know that it has to be a tough job being a mother. There is no question in my mind. Look at all the expectations that we have of a woman, especially in our success-driven world. She must succeed in career life like a Bill Gates. She must keep house spotless like a Martha Stewart. She must raise perfect kids like, well... Like, you know what? That's impossible. There is no such thing as a perfect kid. But she has to be a great cook like Emeril Lagasse. She has to look like a model from Victoria's Secret. And I don't know if you know this yet, but Victoria has no secrets. She has to be as charming a conversationalist and a hostess like Oprah Winfrey. And she has to be a perfect wife like June Cleaver. If you ask me, that's a heavy job and that's a heavy weight to carry. And I believe our mothers deserve a hand clap of praise right now for all that they do and all that they are. An attorney, I guess, in a lawsuit one day tried to determine, his name was Michael Minton, he did a study of the monetary value of a wife's service in the home. And here is the list of functions that this lawyer came up with by which he was able to determine the value of a mother's work. He determined, first of all, that she was a chauffeur. She was a gardener. She was a family counselor. She was a maintenance worker. She was a cleaning lady. She was a housekeeper. She was a cook. She was an errand runner. She was a bookkeeper. She was an interior decorator. She was a caterer. She was a dietitian. She was a secretary. She was a hostess. And so when he began to bring all of those different fields together and determine the amount of time in a day that might be spent in each of those, she determined or he determined the labor market value of such a person with that job description. And he said her earnings should be, and then I pause. Because I really don't want to start anything this morning. But if you'll see me after church, ladies, I'll tell you how much you're worth in dollars and cents. But the truth is you're worth far more than that. Amen. You're worth far more than that. 
There are a number of forces in our world that move life. But there is none greater than the force of a mother's influence. My thoughts this week have been captured by a number of women in Scripture that speak to me of the powerful and influential role that they play in life. I was drawn to a woman in the book of Matthew, the 15th chapter. She is given no name. She is simply identified as a woman from Canaan. And she came to the Lord because she had great troubles. She had problems in her family. Great problems. There is no such thing, mothers, as stress-free motherhood. And this mother knew what stress was all about. She had a daughter who the Bible says was vexed. The word in our vernacular is trouble. And we would say extremely trouble. We would call her a problem child. But I have come to encourage every mother and every woman here this morning that no matter what kind of problem that you face in life, God has an answer to every woman's problem. Do you hear me this morning? Whether you have been abused or mistreated or whether you have problems in your family, God has an answer to every mother, every wife, every woman's troubles, and He proved it so in our Scripture reading. I thought about the many problems that mothers and women face every day. They are life-changing problems, and many times they are life-numbing problems. But we are moved by the expression of this woman's action. A daughter who is extremely troubled, and a mother who is desperate. We come before uh, the Lord in that state. Mothers are usually the most resourceful people on the face of the earth. I know that my mother was, and and I, the reason I know that is because she could take nothing and make the best supper that anybody would want to. Or at least that's what she called it. When we asked her what did she start with, she would say nothing. And out of nothing, she produced these wonderful, fattening, nutritious meals that we still talk about and we still think about. But mothers are resourceful. They have ways of finding answers and getting through. But this woman, in all of her resourcefulness, had not been able to find a cure or a, a help for her daughter until she came to Jesus. I want to tell all of the ladies here this morning, all of the women that are in this service today, it's good to know where to go when you have a problem in your life. Amen. I said it's good to know where to go when you have a problem. You can go to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. I believe today more than ever, if we would take our problems to Him, we would find our way clearer and we would find our way more navigable. She was a woman who was driven and we live in a very driven world. That's a word that I hear often equated with women, especially in their field of labor. They are driven women, driven by aspirations and desire, driven to break barriers, driven to push themselves to the limit. And many times they are driven to forsake the most royal crown that was ever placed upon them, and that is motherhood or womanhood. 
and they forsake it sometimes quickly. But this woman was driven not by ambition. She was not driven by personal gain. She was driven by a sense of desperation. She was driven by a feeling that if I don't get help for my child, I don't know what I'm going to do. And because of that desperation, she was able to take rebuke and she was able to take the silence of Jesus when he turned and walked away without saying a word to her. She was able to press her way through all of that because there was a sense of desperation. She just could not go away without an answer. I am so thankful that I know some ladies in this church that fit that description. There is often in your life a sense of desperation, not ambition, not a, not, not a power struggle to gain something that you don't need, but something that's driven from the heart, a sense of need. My family needs God's help right now. My children need the touch of God right now. My church family needs the blessings of the Lord. And so she was driven by a sense of desperation. But that wasn't the only thing. I probably would have to say the greatest motivator was her love for her child. That love that burned in her spirit for this daughter who was troubled and extremely disappointing to see her in her state. She was driven not only by her love, but she was driven by a vision that somehow through all of this, God was going to help her to see a better day. And I am thankful. It's okay to be driven, women, if you are driven by the right principles. It's okay to be driven, ladies, if you're driven by the right principles. She overcame great barriers. She was a Canaanite. She had no right to even approach the Lord because of the religious barriers of the day. She worked through apparent rejection and she worked through all of the repulses of the disciples. But she never gave up. I love that about mothers and women that will never give up. Discouraged, rejected, slandered, shut out, but she never gave up. She never would go back. She never would give up. She just kept coming. But let me tell you, ladies, there is a difference between being persistent and being nagging. Proverbs 27:15 said a continual dropping is a very in a in a very rainy day and a contentious or nagging woman are just alike. Now I'm not here to blast you so please hang on before you get mad at me. Proverbs 21 and 9 said it is better to dwell in a corner of a household on that flat oriental roof exposed to all kinds of weather than in a house shared with a nagging, quarrelsome, and fault-finding woman. That's from the Amplified Bible. Now, there is a difference between being persistent and being nagging. And this is the, per this is the difference. Persistence has a purpose behind it. Now, some people might have viewed her as being a nagging woman, but she was not nagging. There was something driving her, and that was a purpose that was greater than herself. If what we are trying to accomplish is self-centered and all about us and only for our betterment, we might be on the verge of nagging. 
But you can be persistent. And you can be determined. And one of the greatest traits, some of you didn't like what I just said about that, but that's okay. You'll get over it because I'll blast them in when it comes Father's Day. I promise you. Amen. I'm not blasting you. Please don't misunderstand me. She was persistent, but there was a purpose in her persistence. It wasn't just a spirit of it wasn't that. It wasn't like that little chihuahua that won't be quiet. There was motivation behind it of a purpose. There was a trouble that was driving her. There was a distress in her life that she could not escape. And Jesus was the only answer. And so she would not go back. Thank God for women who have that kind of persistence and they know the difference. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise right now. I think probably raising kids is the most challenging thing that a a woman or a man is ever called to do. And, And that's because when kids get to a certain age, they know everything. They know everything. They're smarter than you. You're dumber than you look. Oh, yes. And all of that. But I'm thankful for moms and dads as well who are persistent in their influence They learn ways and sometimes you can't come in with a sledgehammer. Sometimes you have to come in another way. But they are persistent because they have higher goals for their children and for their family. There was a teenager come to his mother one day and said, Mom, I'm quitting school. I'm fed up with it. I don't want it. I don't like it. And I'm not going to finish high school. The mother said, Son, listen to me. You can't quit. All the people who are remembered in history... None of them quit. None of them went back. Abraham Lincoln didn't quit. Uh, Thomas Edison didn't quit. Douglas MacArthur didn't quit. Elmo Kringle didn't quit. All of a sudden the son said, Who? Who is Elmo Kringle? She said, See what I told you? Elmo Kringle quit. That's why you don't remember him. Amen. You got to be persistent. You got to keep going even when you don't feel like going. Lastly, and I close with this, I was drawn to the passage in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, when Paul wrote to this young man in the Lord and encouraging him, reminded him of the faith that he saw in him, the faith that he saw in this young man and he knew where that faith had come from it came from your mother who came with hers from her your your grandmother and it had been passed along i read a story of a while back about a father and a daughter who had gone out one day to sea and while they were out at sea they turned their vessel uh, back toward the shore and began steering for home when suddenly a violent storm came up on them. And it was, it was a wicked wind and it was very uh, dangerous. It, it obviously would be destructive if they didn't find shore. At the same moment, this storm struck a mother sensing perhaps the danger of her family. She lit a lamp and she 
began to climb the stairs to the attic. And as, as she made her way up to the attic, her son, who was in the house at that time, called out to her, Mom, it won't do any good. They can't see that light. But she continued on. That mother went to the attic and put that lamp in the window and then she knelt down beside the window and she began to pray. Somewhere out in that tossed ocean where husband and daughter were, a daughter saw a glimmer of light on the horizon. The daughter saw this glow on the horizon and her dad said, steer toward that goal. They didn't know what it was. They just saw this glow, this light that was coming from the edge of the water. And slowly but steadily, they made their way into the harbor and eventually safe into the shelter of the cottage. When they entered the doors, the mother was there with a lamp in her hand because of, of the, the, the situation at the home. And she said, oh, thank God that you are safe. And then she said, how did you get here? How did you make your way through the storm? The girl said, we steered by your light, mother. We steered by your light. Although we did not know what it was, we steered by your light. That young boy that had told her it was no use, he felt conviction in his heart. He was not where he needed to be with God. And so he slipped away. And later that night he got down beside his bed and he said, God, I want you to help me to turn my life around because I'm going to need somebody to guide me through the rough seas of life. And so he turned his life. And months later, months later, he was stricken by disease. He was told by the doctors he would not live. He didn't have long and he needed to make his peace with his family and his friends. They gathered around his bed and as you can imagine they were crying and weeping over the loss of this young man. He spoke up in a weak voice and he said, oh don't be afraid for me. He said, I shall make harbor for I have been steering by my mother's light. If I could leave any person sitting here today with anything, I would want to leave you with this thought. There is a light that you cast. There is a light that comes across life's pathway for good or for evil. And I want to remind you this morning what a privilege it is to shine a light clearly in this day. And I have come as a pastor of this church and to all of our guests to applaud every woman, every lady, and especially our mothers and encourage you to let your light shine. Somebody is watching. Somewhere in a troubled sea, somebody's looking for a way out. And it could be that that light that you let shine and you think, God, it doesn't make any difference. Nothing seems to change. If you'll just keep that light shining, somebody somewhere can find their way home and navigate through the troubled waters of life because you kept that light burning. Do not ever undervalue or underestimate the power of your influence. I have seen mothers who were mistreated in their life and not taught 
right things as they were growing up. I have seen women who were never shown an example and not taught how to be a lady. I've seen them pass that on to their children. But I stand here in this pulpit today and I look at women, many of you who came from those same kind of background. You didn't have favor. You were perhaps abused and mistreated. Somebody treated you less than you deserve to be treated. But you decided, I have a light that I want to shine. And you rose up and said, you know what? I can't do a lot about my past, but I can do something about the present and the future. And I want to project to a future generation. I want to project to those that are out there on the sea of life that there is a light that can guide you safely home. To all of our mothers, I say thank you. Let your light shine. Don't ever be intimidated by society. Don't ever be made to feel that you are less than a woman because you don't fit the criteria of being a Bill Gates or a Emerald Lagasse or whoever else we might try to compare. Don't worry about if you're not like the supermodels that strut down those runways. Just understand that you have an influence and you have a light that is going to reach out across the world and never, 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 never put that light out. Amen. We need it to shine. I said, ladies, we need it to shine. Because some of us haven't grown up yet. There are kids here today that still need that influence. Would you stand with me, please? I am so thankful for the blessings of God that have been upon this place today. And I am thankful for all of the families that are represented here right now. All of our young people, our children. I am thankful for many ladies that I look out through this congregation. We honored some of them earlier that have a great challenge. I hope that the, I hope every family this morning will reach out to your mother if you can. If you cannot do that, then realize that you can change a situation in your life. And that I have an opportunity. I I have an influence. I'm I'm radiating something. I'm building something. Or I'm tearing something down. Amen. I want to thank all of the builders in this church. All of the ladies that have built. And some of you have had to rebuild. It's not easy having to go back and pick up broken pieces. It's not easy having to try to fit things back together. And sometimes we men are not the most helpful. But you've done what you could I want to thank you for that I want to thank you that when the world laughs and mocks and tries to make you think that you're not what you need to be you stand up proudly and boldly and say you know what this is what God called me to be I'm not ashamed amen I'm not afraid one of the things that disturbs me about our society is what Hollywood produces. And what is being produced in Hollywood, from my, my observation and what I read and know and study, men most often are portrayed as dupes and dummies 
and idiots and women are portrayed as loose and fast and frivolous. That is not what God designed us to be. Ladies, don't ever hang your head. Be a lady. You say, well, I didn't, I wasn't taught how to be a lady. Then find somebody that is a lady and ask them to help you learn how to be a lady. Amen. I said, amen. Be a lady. That's not a lesser role. It is the most influential and most powerful role in the family. Amen. The University of Michigan did a study just a couple of years ago. And they asked, who is the most influential person in your life right now? 80% of the student body said, my mother. My mother. Ladies, you have a great privilege today. You have an awesome opportunity to influence and affect and let a light shine. Somebody's going to need to see at some point in their life. They may not be where they need to be today, but if you just keep letting that light shine, the same thing that happened to that young man when he realized he needed to follow that light is going to happen to your family. And I believe God's going to bring them safely home. Amen. Would you reach over and join hands with your family right now if you're with your family and if you're not, join with your friends. And I want to pray. Father, I am thankful this morning for the blessings of this day that we have come to honor our mothers and to honor the women of this church. Lord, you know the circumstances of life and many of us here today have made many mistakes and perhaps there is someone here who feels condemned. Perhaps they feel like they have failed. God, that wasn't the purpose of my word today to put them further down. My word today was to show them that if they would choose, they could begin building something that will last they can build something that will endure. They will build something that will be here in years to come. And people will talk about it. I pray your blessings upon every mother today. I pray for the elderly. I pray for the middle aged. I pray for our ladies today who have lived for you for so many years. And they have shown us such a beautiful example of meekness and love and perseverance and kindness and they have shown us how to build and rebuild build and rebuild but never give up never give up never give up never give up on a dream never give up on a hope never give up on a child never give up on a family keep reaching bless them Lord today strengthen them I pray Encourage them, I pray. Lead them right now in the wonderful and lovely name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. Everybody said amen.